Be turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We'll begin there in a few moments. We're continuing on with our theme that we've been going for the last several weeks here on radical love. And today is radical love for your neighbor. And we're going to read one of the most classic stories from the life of Jesus. And that is a story that you'll recognize when we read it. And it brings us right in on this idea of the neighbor and loving your neighbor. Let's go ahead and read it together and we'll dive in. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. You guys getting there? Getting those Bibles and phones and uh, whatever. Tuned up. Okay, here we go. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said this, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hand, hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going on the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man in his own donkey, took him to the inn to take care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of the three do you think? was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So you have a very famous story, parable here from the life of Jesus, about this whole idea of the neighbor and how you should treat the neighbor. Now really what we want to look at here is that the word neighbor is a lot broader than what we normally think of as our neighbor. Because in most of our minds, when we think of our neighbor, we think of the person who lives in the next house, right? Or in the next apartment, or they live in a very close proximity uh, to where we live. We think, well, that's our neighbor. Actually, we're talking about a much broader definition of neighbor here. Look back to, to uh, in your Old Testament, to Leviticus 19. This is what Jesus is quoting when He quotes, Love your neighbor. Uh, actually, the, the, uh, the expert in the law quoted it when He talks about uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Leviticus 19. And we're going to skim this a little bit and, and, and look at these uh, sort of comments and laws here that the uh, Old Testament teacher Moses is giving the old Israelites. In verse 9, He says, When you reap the harvest of the land, do not reap to the very edges of the field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. 
Do not go over the vineyard a second time and pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So he says, you know, here's some interesting things I want to give you as far as when you actually harvest your field, don't go back through a second time and clean up everything that it might have dropped. Leave it there. Because the poor and the alien can come through and they can get it. And when you go through the field, even leave the outside rim and don't even pick that. So there's plenty for people to come in for the poor and the alien, he says here, to uh, be involved with that. Verse 12. Do not swear falsely by my name, I so proclaim the name of your God, I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Hey, that's good advice, isn't it? Don't hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Pay your people when they do things. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God, I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. See, that's what the the man is quoting when he quotes, love your neighbor as yourself. But as we look at the context of all that's being said there, the, the, the neighbor concept is the poor, the rich. People that, that you live in and you live among. Not just a person who lives in the house next door to you. If you understand what I'm saying. Not just a person who lives in the apartment that's down the hall from you. When the Bible says love your neighbor as you love yourself, it's talking about people around you. Mankind. Men. Women. The poor, the rich, those you know, those you may not know. By the way, sort of a side note here, love your neighbors, you love yourself is an interesting thing. You know, the Bible never commands us, of all the commands in the Bible, it never commands us to love ourselves. It assumes we do. Love your neighbor as? As you love yourself. <laughs> We don't need to be commanded to do some things. We do that by nature. So, we've got this idea here to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now look back to our text in Luke 10. This guy's question to him is, uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him what he needs to do. And the guy wants to be justified. Now, there's an obvious difference here in this story between the priest and the Levite and Samaritan. What's the difference? Doing something. Yeah, the uh, priest and the Levite, they went by on the other side of the road. The Samaritan actually did something to help this guy out who was obviously in need. He'd been robbed, he'd been beaten, he was on the side of the road, and uh, probably looked a little, little rough, if you know what I'm saying. He'd just been robbed and beaten. And so they pass by on the other side of the road, and, and the Samaritan, it says two interesting things. In verse 33, it says he took pity on him. He took pity on him. In verse 37, it says the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy 
on him. So these two things, he took pity on him and he had mercy on him. And that's the difference between the Samaritan and and the other two. Right? Right. Now what I want to think about here, let's go one one level a little bit lower. Why? Why did the priest and Levite... Let's assume for a minute that the priest and the Levite are really good people. Because as you read the story, you think, yeah, these guys are bad. But let's assume for a minute that these are good people. Why would they, seeing this man in need, do nothing to help him but, but sort of scurry by on the other side of the road? And here's what I would suggest to you. is because they were busy. They had things to do. They had somewhere to go that was very important to them. Are you busy? I'm, I, I bet you if we polled this room, in excess of 95% of the people in this room would say, yes, my life is busy. Right? Maybe a couple of you out there that would say, you know, not really. I don't have much going on. (laughs) Most of us, we're busy. You know, after church today, I've got to fly out to Dallas for a meeting of the Russian uh, Mission Society group. If we said today, okay, what, what do you guys got going? You'd say, well, I got this going, I got that going, I got this going. I, you know, I've got a lot going. I'm busy. This idea of I don't take the time to do the things that I know I should do. Did the priest and Levite know they should help that guy? Yes. Absolutely they knew they should help that guy. There would be no question at all in their mind. Should I help someone that's been robbed and beaten and is in obvious need? Yes, they would say, sure. There's no question that they would answer the question right. Yes, I should help them. But they walked on the other side because they probably had something to do, something they were going to do, something they had on their mind, and they were busy with the usage of their time. We're all busy, people. Yet the Bible actually gives us some information about this idea of time. Look over to Ephesians chapter 5. This idea of time. Our time. Your time. Ephesians 5.15 Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. Look over to Colossians chapter 4. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Making the most of every opportunity. I want to ask you a sobering question here. Are you making the most of the opportunities that you have in your life? No. You don't need to answer. That. 
appreciate, appreciate your honesty there. Uh, I wasn't meant for it to be a verbal response. Are you making the most of your life? If you think back over the last week, did you make the most of your opportunities? If you think back over the last year, are you making the most of your opportunities? We all have opportunities. What what do we do with them? Are you making the most useful time with your family? Your children. You know, when your children are young and they're at home, you feel like this will never end. And when they're gone, you wonder, where did the time go? I can't believe this happened. It came and went so fast. Are you making the most of opportunity with your spouse, your husband, your wife, if you're married? Are you making the most of your opportunities in your career? Are you actually working hard, trying to do a good job, do your best? We're all busy. We all have a lot to do. But something tells me in the story that Jesus told here, the parable that He told, if the priest and Levi really thought for a minute about what was really important, what was really uh, the thing that should be done, they wouldn't have walked on the other side of the road. Does your schedule manage you or do you manage your schedule? What are you not doing that you should be doing? Well, I don't have time. How many times does that come out of your mouth in the normal course of a week? I don't have time. Generally speaking, that probably is not accurate. It's not that you don't have the time. It's that you're doing something else with your time than that. Well, I don't have time to exercise. (laughs) I don't have time to have a quiet time and read my Bible. Pray. I don't have time. To get together with a brother, pray. Sister, pray. My guess is you're not really stating what's true. You do have time. But there's other things that you're doing that you probably really don't need to do. You understand what I'm saying here? And see, the the, the whole thing is radical. Love your neighbor. Loving your neighbors, loving people around you, and doing your best to have some level of impact on their life according to what their needs are. Now, this guy's needs were obvious, weren't they? Sometimes people's needs are obvious. Right? You don't have to have a Ph.D. (laughs) to figure this out. Every single one of us could get this. This is is not deeper studies. 
As one person said, it'd take a theologian to misunderstand this. <laughs> You've got to take the time. The great book of wisdom, Ecclesiastes, gives us some advice here. Look over to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes is after what? Good. See, with the new Bibles and, and your phones and all that, no, no one even knows the books of the Bible anymore. You know? We're, we're, we're losing some of that. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7. Go! I love this passage. This is a great one right here. Go! Eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favors what you do. Boy, don't you enjoy a great meal? Wow! That's what he's saying here. Have a good time. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife. Now, if you're married, this applies. If you're not, that doesn't. But uh, he says, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave, where you are going... There's neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. He's saying, hey, use your time great. Enjoy your life. Enjoy a meal. Enjoy your family. Because there'll come a time when that will not be an option anymore. Chris was showing me this thing this morning. Uh, on, uh, she likes a CBS morning, uh, Sunday morning thing and all that. And they did a thing on Willie Nelson. And uh, Willie's uh, been a favorite of mine and increasingly a favorite of Chris's, I think, as we go along. But he's now 80-something years old. And, and uh, his latest song that he wrote is, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, I, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up not dead again today. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. I woke up not dead again today. And he was talking about all the things in life that he enjoys doing and, and that, that, uh, that is a part of his life and all that. And I'm certainly not holding up Willie Nelson as uh, an example of Christian uh, uh, qualities. But uh, in, in, in this one area, uh, Willie has got it right. You know what? Just enjoy life. Use your time well. And time well spent... Is time involving other people around us and having an impact on their life. You're going to have to do some level of diagnostic of what does this person need? What does that person need? What is the time that I should be spending now and what impact should I be having on this person's life that I'm with right here? It's, this is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. You're going to have to think a little bit. But the idea here is very clear. Now the second main passage I want us to look at is in Romans 15, verse 1. Romans 15, verse 1. These are both on this idea of love your neighbor. 
Okay, so loving your neighbor in our first context of, of, the, uh, 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 of our lesson is using your time wisely so that you can have an impact on people's life. When Romans 15 verse 1, and we're going to look a little uh, later here, a, a little back in chapter 14 and ahead even in chapter 15. But look at this comment here in chapter 15 verse 1. Realizing, of course, that you know when, Ro- when Paul wrote Romans, he didn't write it in, in verses and chapters. Those were added later for our uh, ability to find our way around the Bible and that kind of thing. So there's a continual thought here that flowing from chapter 14 into chapter 15. And we'll see that in a minute. But look at verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. What are we supposed to do with our neighbor? To build him up. Should please his neighbor to build him up. Now, if we go back in chapter 14, I, I want to give us context here. Look at chapter 14, verse 12. Okay. Uh, it says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So what is he saying there? What should we do here with our relationship with other people around us? Our neighbor, what should we be doing? What's he say to do? Build him up. Yeah, don't, don't be a stumbling block. Don't mess him up. A stumbling block is, is something that's in your way and you trip and fall over it. He's saying don't mess people up around you by the way that you live your life. Okay, come on up in verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. What's it say here? What are we supposed to do? Make every effort, right? That's a big deal. Yeah, that's right. To do what? Yes. To create peace. Yes. I'm going to guess. I could pick a fight with Chris. I'm going to say in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> What, what do you think? <laughs> Married out there? 30 seconds? Yeah. Way less. Way less. <laughs> Way less with Robin Connie. What, what do you think? Uh, I, I'm looking out there. Pete, what do you think? 30 seconds, that little quick? For me to pick a fight with her? Yeah. yeah. About 30 seconds. Randy, what about you? Five minutes? Oh my gosh! <laughs> five seconds! Oh, it was five seconds! Do whatever leads to peace and mutual edification. Mutual edification is mutually being encouraged. You know what? You, you know that to be true. You can pick a fight with people if you want to pretty quick. But this says we should make every effort and focus on the idea of things that lead toward peace. Verse 22. Oh, here's a good one, guys. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Aha! Whoa! I'll tell you the best way to bring about peace sometimes. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) 
So whatever you believe about these things, why don't you just keep it between you and God? You didn't know the Bible said that, did you? Well, you learned a lot of things here today. Okay, come on down uh, in 15 now. We're, we're sliding into chapter 15 in verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify God and accept our Lord Jesus. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Accept one another. Quit judging each other. Quit crawling each other's case. Quit giving each other a judgment look all the time. Accept one another. Now this all is, is bracketed around in chapter 14 and 15 of what we read. Verse 2. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, for their good, and to build them up. Let me show you a parallel passage. Look over to Galatians 5. This is a parallel passage. Same thoughts as Paul. In Romans, of course, he's talking to the church of Rome, right? In Galatians, he's talking to the churches of Galatia. Galatia is more of a region or a state, if we want to put it in that way. And he's saying some of the same things to the people in these different churches. Because, you know, people are people. You know what I'm saying? That's the way it was back then. That's the way it is now. Well, in Galatians 5, verse 13, he says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. There we go again, right? Now look what he says here. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you'll destroy each other. He says, if you don't quit... Biting and devouring each other. Treating each other bad. Watch out! Or you'll cause permanent damage. How many of us in this room have some scars in our life? Because of things that people said to us. That was thoughtless, cruel, mean-spirited. May have been your mother. Could have been your coach, your teacher. Might have been your neighbor, an old boyfriend. Watch out! You see, we have a choice. We can be a builder or a biter. You can be a builder. You can build each other up. Or you can be a biter. You know, Ben, when he was a little boy, got into a habit of biting. And I'm quite sure Chris's recipe to his problem with biting would not be written in any books written by someone from Stanford. She said, son, you got to quit biting. And he bit some other little kid. <laughs> she took his arm and, ah! and bit him. And man, his eyes got as big as... She said, that's how it feels. Quit biting people. 
And you know, to my knowledge, that's the last person you ever bit. Man, it hurts when someone bites you. That hurts. It's, it's my choice. It's your choice. Isn't that what he says here? He says, brothers, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. I mean, are you free to say it? Yeah, you're free to say it. But why would you? Really, you want to use your freedom to hurt? To bite? Devour? Or do you want to use your freedom? You've got the freedom also to build. By what you say. Be a builder. You know, at the end of the day, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, okay, you know, was I a fighter or a builder today? At the end of an appointment, at the end of a, a week. And you know what? Sometimes we'll do a self diagnostic on ourselves and we'll have to say, you know, I didn't do a very good job today. I did more biting than building today. You know, that wouldn't be the first time that ever happened and it won't be the last in your life or other people's life around you. But it's a fair question. And my guess is if you have the integrity to ask the question, you're going to be much more mentally aware of it as you go through your day and you're going to realize, hey, I don't want to do that. I don't want to say that. I don't want to come across that way. Right. I don't want to be that person. That's a biter and a destroyer. I want to be the person that's a builder. All this fits in the category, guys, in the attitude of what do we do with people? Loving your neighbor. Has to do with how we use our time, right? We saw that in the first story. We've got to be careful about being too busy in life to do and say the things that we need to do and say. Catch yourself when you're too busy to help someone. Catch yourself when you're too busy to be kind in the words that you say. And when you catch yourself doing that, you know, give yourself a mental whack on the head. Come on. You can do better than this. You know? Rebuke yourself. I'm telling you, no one's ever rebuked me as hard as I've rebuked me sometimes. It's like, come on, Marty, you can do better than this. You ever had that conversation with you? Just you and you? Don't say it out loud because people will worry about you. But... But you, you can have that conversation in the internal conversation in your mind and just say, hey, I can do better than this. I can act better than this. I can say better than this. I can speak better than this. And then I really want you to go home with this one, guys. Don't be a biter. Be a builder. Not a person in this room can't be a builder. You can build people up by what you say and what you do. Let's have some good radical love going on, loving our neighbors, okay? Let's have a great week. Love you guys.